This podcast is a presentation of Indianola First Assembly of God Church. For more information, please visit us online at indianolafirst.com. I'm excited to preach this morning. I love Christmas messages, and um, you know, there's so much within the Christmas story and the Word of God that that you can pull things from. I mean, it doesn't. It seems like no matter how many times I read it, there's always something more. And the Bible is, is so much like that, but especially the Christmas story. And, and I wanted, as I read it again, um, and I, I read it several times during the, during the Christmas season just to kind of soak it up, soak it up and, and get my mind wrapped. You know, how, how do you get in the Christmas spirit? You read the Christmas story, right? You don't listen to Bing Crosby. That doesn't do it, all right? I mean, it might help a little, but man, read the Christmas story. Uh, and, and I wondered if, have you ever noticed how simplistic Everything seems to be within that story in the Word of God. And I say story, and I'm careful to use that word because um, sometimes when we say story, we think, well, it's, it's a bedtime story. It's, it's make-believe. It didn't happen. These are historical accounts in the Word of God. These are truth, all right? These really happened, right? Amen. So when I say story, realize that it, th- this, is, this is more than a story. It's reality. It's what happened. But in that Christmas story, simple, humble, non-abrasive, you know, there's shepherds in the fields at night watching their flocks. I mean, real abrasive, right? A young virgin with her new husband, virtually unknown to the masses. They certainly were not famous or on some kind of social pedestal. Nobody knew these people. I think of the simplicity of the stable, a crude shelter designed for animals. The manger, a basic wooden box to throw feed in for the animals. And Bethlehem, a tiny little town. A suburb, if you will, as it's only about five miles outside of Jerusalem. And of course, a baby, inoffensive, innocent, non-threatening. Everything surrounding this uh, most magnificent event of all time. And I really believe that that first Christmas was the most, one of the most magnificent events of all time. God became man. God Emmanuel. All of the, everything surrounding this event is simple, humble, non-abrasive. And I think that's why it's so easy for people, even those who are not professing Christians, to read and to talk about and even accept the Christmas story that is laid out in Scripture. It doesn't seem to cause any ruffled feathers when it's read or when it's shared. And again, it's, it's so simple. I mean, even a child can understand it. One of the things that we did recently is we bought one of those Fisher-Price nativity scenes in the last couple of years. Have you seen these? They're so cool. I mean, they, they have all the little characters and they have the little stuff and they're kind of fat little, little uh, uh, they're not cherubs, but they're, I wanted to say fat little cherubs for some reason. But um, fat little uh, characters and, and you know, like Fisher Price characters are so the kids can grab them and you can act it out with your kids. And I, I think even a child can understand what went on that night. It's so, uh, such an amazingly simple story and yet so powerful. And I want you to think of this statement. The first advent of Christ, and remember, what does advent mean? Advent means coming, exactly. It means coming. So the first coming or advent of Christ, I want you to think about this, the infinite was made finite. The immortal became mortal. 
The eternal became temporal. In other words, God became man. That's a very significant thing, never to forget. And it's really amazing because in a second advent, what's advent mean? Second coming, it's gonna be marked by the finite becoming infinite. The mortal taking on immortality and the temporal will be made eternal. I mean, that's awesome. That's an awesome thought. He lowered himself so that we could be raised up. He came this way so we could go this way. I want you to understand, Christ's coming, his first advent was for everybody, everyone. It was for all mankind. Because now since Jesus came, all mankind, say, look at your neighbor and say, that means you. Look at your other neighbor and say, that means you. It means everyone. Every person who's ever lived on the face of the earth. His first advent was for everyone. Because all of mankind has opportunity to receive him as savior. But the benefits, and understand this, the benefits of his second advent, his second coming, will only be for those that did receive him. The infinity of heaven, hear me church, the infinity of heaven is only for those that receive the divinity of Christ. You hear what I'm saying? Eternity is only for those who ask him into their heart and live for him. And really it's that simple. The gospel is simplistic at its core. Man is created and placed in paradise. Man sins, loses paradise. God sends his only son, Jesus, to provide a way for man to regain paradise. And it's up to man to choose. It's just that simple. And Christmas is the celebration of God sending us his only son. And the simple common folk, the shepherds, were among the first that this heavenly announcement was made to. In Luke 2, 8 through 20, I want to read this. And I want you to follow along up here. Read it with me if you want out loud under your breath, but but get it down in your spirit. Verse 8, starting with verse 8, Luke chapter 2. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others the armies of heaven praising God and saying, and I wonder, was that millions? It could have been millions upon millions that the shepherds saw as heaven opened up before them. They were praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. 
After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. I want to read verse 17 again. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Now I want you to think about that just a minute. Common, ordinary, simple people experienced something amazing and then they simply go and tell everyone what they had seen and heard. They weren't experts at sharing their faith. They hadn't gone to Bible school. They hadn't been through any kind of training on how to share with others. No books, no methods. They just went and told everybody about what they'd seen and heard because it was so awesome. And I love that because if common, ordinary people, simple people can do what those shepherds did, then I qualify too because I'm common, I'm ordinary, I'm rather simple. My wife may say I'm a little more complex, especially in having to deal with me. But turn to your neighbor and say, you're simple. Even if you have to speak it in faith. Aren't we all just pretty ordinary people? I mean, come on, this is Iowa, right? Don't ordinary people live in Iowa? And I mean ordinary in the best sense, all right? I mean, we're just common, good old, down-to-earth folk, right? We like to be warm and we like to eat. I mean, what more is there? I love it because it means that I qualify. I don't have to be a biblical theologian to fulfill my calling. You don't have to be a biblical theologian to fulfill your calling. And you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be perfect. You just need to be you. Just to be you. That's all you need to do. And share with everyone what you've seen and heard. And truthfully, most every one of us has seen and heard way more than is needed to qualify to go and tell like these shepherds did. We've experienced Christ. He has saved us. He has delivered us. He has set us free. He has turned our whole lives around and made everything new. I mean, come on, is anybody out there? Hasn't he done that for you? Hasn't he changed everything about you? Everything that was bad in you, he's ripping out and he's replacing with himself and it's all goodness and it's wonderful. Your life isn't like it used to be. You're not the same person you used to be. You've been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. <coughs> Come on, you're not, you're not cheering, so I'm coughing. <coughs> it's the truth. Jesus Christ has changed everything. I think about the old guy that I used to be and I can't even believe it. I can't believe what I've come from, how I used to act, how I used to think, the things I was willing to get involved with that aren't even in the radar anymore. The alcoholic that I was for a short while and now I don't even think about it. Well, once an alcoholic, always alcoholic. Not true, Jesus Christ saved me, delivered me, I don't even think about it. No desire. Addictions don't have a hold on me because of Jesus Christ. And they don't have a hold on you either. 
I, I, I just got to thinking, man, Jesus has done so much for us, the church today, because we've experienced the cross. We're on the other side of the cross. These shepherds hadn't seen the cross yet. They just experienced the baby. But that baby, we've experienced that baby as our savior. They saw the baby and what did they do? They went and told everybody they saw about what they'd seen and heard. We experience the vastness of who Jesus is and we don't share with too many. And I say that because it's like 85% of all Christians in America will never lead anybody to the Lord. It doesn't make sense. These shepherds saw so little. Yeah, they saw the heavens open up, that was magnificent, but they went and saw the baby which was probably a magnificent experience, and they went and shared everything. I, I wanna make the case this morning just a little bit that you've experienced even more. Because Jesus Christ has done it all. He's done it all for you. We've seen people turned from their addictions and their selfishness We've seen miracles happen in people's lives. We've seen people who for all practical purposes should have been written off and they've come to Christ and been gloriously changed from the inside out and given purpose once again. See, I, I, I want you to get your head around this. If we stop believing that Jesus can change anybody, then close the doors. There's no reason to be a church. Sure, we can be our holy huddle and hold hands and all go to heaven together, great, fine. That's not what Jesus called us to do. I can do that in my own house with my family. What's the purpose for a church? It's to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone. It's to come into this place and get filled up and then go out and share with everyone what you've experienced, not just in here, but in your own life as Jesus Christ changes, molds, molds you and makes you and forms you into more of the image of his son. To go and share what you've seen and heard. To tell your story. What the shepherds saw was enough to go and tell, while far too often we are satisfied with just keeping it all in. Protecting our reputations. Making sure that nobody thinks we're too strange. We don't wanna be those Christian whack jobs, you know. Knowing the truth, but not wanting others to snicker about us being religious zealots. When will the church be done with hiding in the shadows? What has happened, what has to happen to us to where we'll rise up in power and be the witnesses that we have been called to be? Rise up in power, that's interesting. I thought about this as well. The shepherds didn't even have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them, but we do, and we still walk in timidity sometimes. Acts 1.8, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. We have the promised Holy Spirit available for us, to us, for empowerment, church. So going and telling should not just be easy because we've seen and heard so much. It should be easy because we have the assurance of being empowered by God himself to do it effectively. 
What if you opened your mouth a little bit more and talked a little bit more about what Jesus Christ has done for you? What would happen? I'm gonna tell you what would happen. If the church in America would do that, revival would happen. Revival would happen. But the church as a whole makes it so complicated. We welcome people to church, we say come as you are, and then we do our humanly motivated spiritual makeover on them. That's humanly motivated spiritual makeover. Say that 10 times. Hello? We start saying they need to stop this and start doing that. We start giving them rules and regulations. We shower them with these rules and regulations and we create an environment that screams, if you believe like we believe, then you can become like we are and finally you can belong to our little Christian club. What we should be saying is, come on in, you belong here, no matter what. No matter what. Well, they're not dressed appropriately for church. Do they know better? They smell a little like sin. They look a little sinful. Should we let them in? We should say, come on in, you belong here no matter what. And you know something, if we do that, and we trust God to do in them what he has done in us. How many can remember back that when you weren't so polished? Anybody? You know, I've told the story before how I got into ministry. The, the pastor in the church that I was at in Brookings, South Dakota, said, said uh, and he's passed away now, Pastor Metz is a great man of prayer, great man of God. He would say from the pulpit, he was a new pastor, he goes, we really need someone to start helping out with youth. And I was like, I'll do it. So I went to him, and I said, I'll do it, Pastor Metz. And he said, eh, you're not really what we're looking for. You think that's mean? I wasn't too polished. He was probably protecting the youth a little bit. I mean, I'm not, I think we're far enough removed. Um, it's been 20-some years, so I think I can say this. One of my youth outings was shooting a, a, a bottle rockets out of, a move, out of moving cars at one another, having a fireworks fight. <laughs> Not wise. I wasn't too polished, and none of us were too polished, were we? And Pastor Metz, in his infinite, uh, I wouldn't say infinite, but he was, he was a wise man, in his godly wisdom, gave me a chance. And if he wouldn't have gave me a chance, I don't know where I'd be today. He believed that I could be something more. Folks, we need to believe that people that walk in these doors can be something more, that God can change them. Because he's changed you. You didn't walk in here looking like you do now. I remember, I've been here long enough. <laughs> it doesn't take very long for them to start becoming more and more like us. And hopefully that means because we're like Jesus. And lo and behold, those same people who we say, you belong here, 
They start becoming more and more like Jesus. Hopefully that means like us. Lo and behold, they start believing the Bible like we believe it. It's not believe, become, belong. It's belong, become, believe. And I think a lot of churches miss that. You see, instead of humbly sharing what we've seen and heard, and even what we ourselves have experienced, we start dictating to people what they need to change in order to be accepted. We say they can be free of Christ as long as they become enslaved to our religious rules. And don't get me wrong, I'm not preaching against living holy lives and I'm not suggesting that we ignore sin. I'm not even saying that there shouldn't be correction given from time to time, but the only one that can truly clean a person up and change the trajectory of their life is Jesus Christ. That's who, he, that's, who he, that's, that's how it works. We love them and love them and love them, and Jesus changes them from the inside out. Here's what I'm saying this morning. The gospel is simple. Go and tell it. Tell it in the most simplistic way that you can. Be a part of, of others uh, telling it. And, and, and that means sending others. The answer to our world's problems is not getting more politically involved. Have you been watching politics lately? What a joke. And, and I'm not saying that it's... it's it's not important to be involved in politics. You need to vote. And if you're gonna run for office, run for office and do it in a godly way. We need that. I'm not saying that. But honestly, that's not the hope of the world. It's more politics. The hope of the world is Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus Christ. That is the hope of the world. And we need those people. I, don't take me wrong. I know Brooke's running for office and she believes God's called her to do it and I believe God's called her to do it too. And you do it with all your passionate heart, Brooke. We need you there. So I'm not saying that, but ultimately, it's the name of Jesus Christ, period. But as long as the church is silent because of, the, because of their timidity or because of their complacency or because of their selfishness or because they lack love or because they have convinced themselves that it's probably somebody else's job or... or no matter what the reason is that the church remains silent, the world's just going to keep on getting worse. Church, and so we need a worldwide revival. We need a worldwide revival. And I don't know about you, but I'm watching for it. I'm anticipating it. And I'm sure gonna be going and telling as much as I can in the effort to help initiate it. You know, I, I think this is an interesting statistic. If you, this is a, a statistic just about you, or any one of us, but I'll use you. If you just got absolutely on fire for God, and you're already on fire, but if, even if you got more on fire for God, and you decided in your heart that you were gonna win two people to the Lord, and you were gonna pour into them for the rest of your life, you're just gonna pour into them, pour into them, pour into them, and then after a year of pouring into them, you taught them to pour into two people each. And they, and they did the same thing, and they, they kept pouring into those two, and they kept pouring into those two, and, and vice versa. It's multiplication, right? Do you know how long it would take the world to get saved? 22 years. You think of that. Can you reach two people? I think any one of us could reach two people. That's what can make the difference. 
That's what can make the difference. God, make us all a catalyst in the next worldwide revival. And who knows, it, may, it just may be the last great revival this world sees before the second advent of Christ. It's what I love about this church's commitment to missions. You guys are givers. You're senders to those that go and tell. And that's a part of our going and telling. There's no doubt that we send others to do it. But we can't just stop with others doing it. We have to do it ourselves. Kingdom Builders this year is where we put all that money that you give. and uh, We've given over $135,000 to missions this year. To God be the glory. And that's from your guys' giving. And you know, uh, sometimes Pastor Bryce will, uh, will give me some interesting statistics about giving in our church. And if you, if you think that that is the majority, the majority of that is big givers who have a lot of money, you're wrong. It's constant giving. It's, 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 it's giving that, that's done consistently by people that you wouldn't believe. In fact, he told me the other day, our number one personal missions giver, and I'm not going to get into who it is, I don't even speculate or cause, give you any info to cause you to speculate who that is. I don't even necessarily, well, I do know the person just because, but I, I'm saying you'd never believe it because of their income level, because of their situation and circumstance. It would blow your mind. And they not only are our biggest giver in missions, they double anybody else and almost triple. It's phenomenal what God does in the hearts of people. It's consistently funding a, a, an account that sends people out to go and tell. It's what I love about our Christmas project. Man, do you understand what we have the opportunity to do? From little, I say little old Indianola, Iowa, we can affect people in East Asia. That's phenomenal. And save little kids that we've never met from a life of being sex trafficked. And understand, yes, they prey on the orphans, they prey on the weak, they pray, these sex traffickers do that kind of thing. But, but you know what else they do? They go to the moms and dads, and, and this is what that, that, that ministry does. Uh, that's what they save the kids from. They go to the moms and dads who are poor and they say, sell us your kids. Sell us your little girls because we want to put them in places where 40 men a day can have sex with them and use them. And we get to give a little bit of our extra on Christmas Eve and rescue them before that ever happens. Do you know how powerful that is? That's us going and telling church. I love this church's focus on missions. I love our focus on a Christmas project like we're doing. And, and you know, that 135,000 comes a lot from personal gifts, but it also comes from an elder board who generously gives 10% of the general tithes and offerings that you give, or the general tithes, I'm saying, the general tithes that, that are, are, are given to, to fund the church, to pay for salaries, to pay for the lights, to pay for the utilities, to pay for everything, building and all that kind of stuff. They take 10%, because that can be a hard thing to, to, to uh, uh, balance a church's budget, right? They're responsible to keep 
money in the account. They're responsible to make sure that we don't go in the hole. And they said right off the top, we're gonna take 10% of all that money coming in and we're gonna give it to kingdom builders. We're gonna build God's kingdom with that somewhere, someplace, and we're gonna trust God that he'll bring in the difference and help us keep the lights on. And guess what? We keep the lights on just fine because they have made that commitment. I love a board who will stand in faith and do what God has called us to do. I love it. It's a powerful thing. And it's important we send those who are called to go to faraway places and share the good news of the gospel, but that doesn't fulfill Christ's mandate to us to go and tell our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, our family members. We have a tremendous responsibility to make it difficult to go to hell from Indianola and Warren County. And I've said that before and I'll say it again. I wanna make it hard to go to hell from this county. And why do I say that with, with conviction and boldness this morning? Because I believe when the church of Jesus Christ rises up in power and begins to share what God has done in their hearts, they share, they go and tell what they've seen and heard, it's gonna draw. It's gonna draw people. And they're gonna hear the gospel message over and over and over and over again until it breaks down those walls, until it softens that hard heart that some people have. Like I used to have. Like you used to have. I think so many times of the, the young man who knocked on my college door, I knew the truth and ignored it. I knew the truth, I was raised in it, but I walked away from it for a while. And I would have walked away from it for good if it wasn't for that young man knocking on my door and saying, hey, can I share the four spiritual laws with you? And I said, no, and I shut the door. So he came back a couple days later, hey, can I share the four spiritual laws with you? And I said, no, and I shut the door. And he came back a couple days later, And he said, can I share? I said, okay. Change my life. Somebody went and told me what they'd seen and heard. How much should we be doing that? You don't know who you're going to win. You don't know what's gonna happen to that person as you share with them. You might get rejected. Big deal. Big deal. You just keep sharing, and you keep sharing, and you keep sharing until you find that good soil. It was important and exciting enough for those who first experienced Jesus, those shepherds, to go and tell everybody. It should be equally important and exciting for us today because Jesus Christ is still in the business of changing lives. He still does it, church. I wanna share with you one more thing. I got a little bit of time left, you mind? This is exciting stuff. In the year 2020, and Pastor Jared's preaching next week, so I'm gonna share this this week. In the year 2020, there is a movement that's beginning to, to begin, and it's, it's starting, it's called Go 2020. And what it is, is there, there's, there's a, a, it's simply a movement to mobilize 10 million believers in America to reach 100 million people for Jesus in the month of May in 2020. 
And the unity in the body of Christ over this thing is what I'm so excited about. The PCCNA, which is the Pentecostal Charismatic Churches of North America, you probably didn't know this, but the Assemblies of God belongs to that organization. Their leaders and all 29 of North America's Pentecostal Charismatic Fellowships and denominations agreed to join in this global effort of reaching the lost. It's historic because it's the first time that all of these groups have decided to do something collaborative on this big a scale to reach the lost. I'm telling you, church, this is, this is historic because it's never happened where so many in the church have come together and said, let's put down any of our petty differences and let's win people to Jesus. And I love it. I love it. And it's not just Pentecostals. Since that's happened, many evangelical groups have also jumped on board. Campus Crusade for Christ, which is what that young man who knocked on my door, that's where he was from. Praise the Lord. They've jumped onto this. YWAM has jumped onto this. The Southern Baptist Convention has jumped onto this. And the list keeps growing and growing and growing. As I'm looking at it from a distance, I'm saying, Lord Jesus, what are you doing? He's putting his church together, I think, for some of the last uh, evangelical work to win as many people he can before he comes back. I'm not saying I know when he comes back and when he's coming back, because I don't know that. But I will tell you this, revival is starting to kind of simmer over here. And when all those Christians come together and they put down those differences and they say, unity, 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 what happens? Anointing and fruit. We've talked about that a million times. Psalms 133, read it. Anointing and fruit. That's where God commands his blessing. I believe we're, we're, we're getting to be part of something where God is gonna command the blessing and many, many people are gonna come to Christ. And I say worldwide because worldwide this, this Go 2020 is trying to mobilize 100 million believers, and I think they'll do it, I know they'll do it, to win a billion people to the Lord. Can you imagine in the month of May if a billion people in this world came to Christ? Church, I'm getting on board with that. We need to be praying about that. You need to pick up that prayer circle book. It's a book of the month for January. You might as well get it and start praying right now because it's your job to. Pick it up and say, January, I'm gonna dedicate to prayer. We're gonna be talking about Go 2020. In fact, I'm so excited about it uh, that uh, uh, our district superintendent, uh, Pastor uh, Guy Fisher, he made me the uh, Iowa coordinator for it, and I might be in and out of here, even on some Sundays, preaching at other churches to kind of give them a little kick to get on board. You know, it's important that this church... It's important that his church starts thinking about going and telling. Amen. Going and telling in any way that they can. Churches, I want you to know when revival breaks out, the most significant thing that happens is not the signs and wonders displayed, it's the souls that get saved. I love signs and wonders, I, I love it when they happen. But, but you know, ultimately, signs and wonders pass away, but save souls, that's eternal. That's eternal. We don't need to complicate the message of Jesus. The Christmas story is so simple. And during your Christmas gatherings and celebrations, push yourself to go and tell, even if you're not on a mountain. Go and tell what you've seen and heard. When you're at the store getting that last minute shopping done, 
when you're at those family gatherings, when you're with your own family, go and tell about the wonderful things that God has done for you. Maybe instead of you know, getting in that big circle and taking turns to open presents, you take turns and testify what Jesus has done in your life first, and then you open a present. You gotta, that's a good idea. We're doing that at my house. I just got that idea now. <laughs> you don't get to open a present until you testify. You want to open a present, you got to testify to the Lord, right? That's what we ought to be doing. That's why we give gifts anyway. And no mamby-pamby, you know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. God is good to me. Okay, give me my present. No, you got to go into detail. That's what I'm saying. Something significant that God's done. Because God is always doing something in your life. We gotta go and tell about the wonderful things that God has done for you. Mike, I think about you. You know, what are you, four? They said you, were gonna, you weren't gonna live um, for, you had two years to live. It wasn't that two years up like almost four years ago? I mean, that's just, run and tell that, homeboy, right? <laughs> Run and tell that. God is good. He is good. He does good things. He changes lives. He's in the life-changing business. Your life has been changed. Other people you know, their life has been changed. Are they still a little rougher on the edges? Sure. I mean, we know Pastor Donnie's a little rougher on the edges still. But God's changing him. He's changing me. He's changing you. Talk about it. Go and tell. These shepherds saw a little baby and they went and told everybody. You've experienced the Savior, Jesus Christ, the crucified Savior of our Lord and all that he provided. Don't be quiet about it. Go and tell. All right. That's what Christmas is all about. Let's pray. Stand if you would. <coughs> this morning, if you need prayer... Or maybe you just are fairly new here and you, you're like, man, I never heard anything like that before. I, I want some of that. Let some of that get on me, you know. Let some of that get on me. Yeah. <laughs> See, I can preach that way if you want me to. If that's you this morning, I'm going to have our prayer teams come down and they're going to be willing to pray for you about any need that you might have. If you just want more of God, you want some encouragement, if you need healing, if your marriage has been just blown up, if, if your kids are running uh, like prodigals run, I, I don't care what the need is, these prayer teams are here to pray for you and believe with you that God is good and he can change the, the course. But for all you others, let's just lift our hands one more time this morning in praise to God. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for all that you've done for us. God, help us never to grow complacent about what we've seen and heard. Let us never grow tired of telling the story about how you saved us, you rescued us, you ransomed us, oh God, with your own blood. You stepped out of your glory and came at Christmas time as a baby and you lived a sinless life for us. Lord Jesus, help us to open our mouth and share the simple message of the gospel.
with everybody. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you, God, for being with us here today. Bless every person in this room with your presence. I pray for travel as this church family goes and sees family, is on the roads. Lord, we, we pray you put your angels around every single one of them. And God, make us missionaries as we leave these four walls. In Jesus' name. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First Assembly of God podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest message.